I'm gonna be Grebna, and this is data-driven Formula One channel. We are going to discuss uh, uh, behavioral and data science aspects uh, of Formula One. Um, just to give you a little bit of background about myself, uh, I'm a professor of uh, business analytics and data science, and I have done some work um, on Formula One. Particularly, I have written uh, several papers on leadership in Formula One and on data analytics in Formula One. And um, I will be joined uh, for this series by Patrick Hans, who has written books about Formula One. So. Um, um, we will basically look at how data science and behavioral science shaped some of the decisions in Formula One and equally how Formula One as a sport and as an area um, influenced behavioral uh, science and data science. So we will be talking about all these exciting issues. Uh, just to give you some uh, preview of things to come, I'm, I'm going to explain what we will be doing over the next uh, uh, year, probably, <laughs> maybe longer. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, but essentially, this is what we're going to do. Okay, so with uh, Patrick, we will be looking at the entire history of Formula One, and we will have some special sessions about each year of competition in Formula One, as well as um, notable people, um, famous drivers, uh, famous um, team principals who helped shape the sport. We will also have separate... Um, sections within the channel where we will discuss data collection through sensors, uh, how accurate the sensors are, and we'll also discuss uh, important aspects of how Formula One impacted uh, not only motorsport, but also other industries, um, and um, how these innovations uh, are related to uh, data science and behavioral science. So um, with Patrick, we will start from 1950, but today I just wanted to give you an overview uh, of the development of data science on the one hand and the development on Formula One as a sport on the other hand. So um, on your screens now you see the timeline from 1950 to 2020. So in uh, 1950, we had the first Formula One race, uh, while the competition itself um, yeah, actually started earlier than 1950, but we will look at the official world championship. Um, and uh, this is why we will be starting with 1950. Well, um, um, in terms of uh, the definition of um, uh, data science, well, in 1958, we have the first definition of business intelligence by Hans-Peter Lund. And then in 1959, the term machine learning appeared. Um, so um, then in 1962, we had uh, first attempts to develop speech recognition systems by IBM. And then uh, in 1964, the new statement article actually discussed the overflow of data and how data is going to change the world. Um, in uh, 1965, uh, US uh, basically published the plans of... Um, 
um, first data science center for tax, tax returns. And in 1970, Edgar Codd uh, presented the um, relational database. So these were kind of the main stages of so-called driver as a sensor in Formula One. So this was a, a, a time period when a driver was the main sensor, the main um, a person who accumulated all the information about the car and then basically translated uh, this knowledge to the other parts of the team. Uh, the teams were kind of relatively small in 1950s and uh, increased in size uh, to professional teams in, uh, by 1970s. So we will talk about this in detail when we discuss each season. But just to give you some kind of perspective on what we're going to be talk talking about. So this is exactly how we're going to structure this um, channel videos. So... Um, so like I said, um, the uh, uh, Formula One World Championships uh, started earlier than 1950s, but uh, we will start from 1950, which is kind of official date for the first uh, um, World Championship, although races did happen earlier than that, like I said. Um, from 1960 to 1969, uh, driver was the analytical tool um, uh, supported by multi-skilled engineers and uh, mechanics. Um, and uh, by 1975, um, uh, basically, uh, teams um, started to think about how to uh, collect the data in Formula One more effectively. And um, in 1975, McLaren first developed telemetry, uh, so collecting data about the car in IndyCar competition, and uh, there were basically 14 different pieces of information captured through various sensors. So this is um, uh, kind of the, the beginning of the telemetry. So McLaren is particularly highlighted in this um, timeline, but of course other teams have been working on this as well. Uh, some successfully, some uh, somewhat less successfully, but well, essentially, um, this is a major highlight when you know we actually had um, information on the track uh, captured by sensors. In 1976, um, um, the material requirements planning or MRP systems uh, started uh, to develop. And then um, basically this um, um, highlighted the period of telemetry development in Formula One. And um, it um, uh, basically was overlaid with uh, uh, such events as uh, the first ever use of the term big data by Eric Larson in 1989, um, which we appeared in uh, Harper's Magazine. Then we also had, um, um, uh, from 1980 to 1989, um, uh, a major use of um, uh, board electronics, introduction of electronic engine management. So various developments that led us to the development of early telemetry in 1990s. So in 1991, as you probably all know, Tim Berners-Lee introduced internet, uh, which changed the lives of many, many people, including, including uh, my life. Uh, and um, 
definitely changed a lot in uh, uh, the Formula One industry. So by 1996, digital storage became cost-effective, and in 1997, uh, Google search appeared, and uh, this was the start of uh, Google as a corporation, um, a corporation we know today, right? Um, so by um, 2000, um, we had various types of uh, digital data, and um, uh, in 1999, we um, uh, also saw the introduction of the term Internet of Things. So what was uh, happening in um, Formula One at the same time was basically um, high, um, high rate information flow from the car from 1990. Uh, by 1996, the flag stack um, became a standard for telemetry. And um, essentially, um, from 1990 to 1999, um, active ride cars were downloading data and streaming it to the garage. Um, uh, and more data was collected uh, before and after the race, uh, during testing. So um, all this, um, this data collection was happening. Uh, at a lot uh, of a more kind of structured, uh, in a lot more structured way than before, when we had a driver as a sensor and telemetry development stages. Um, and the year 2002-2003 could be called uh, turbulence years because we had two-way telemetry when uh, basically you could uh, transmit uh, the data both ways um, uh, from the car and kind of. Uh, from uh, from the uh, from the engineering teams, uh, we will talk about this in detail um, uh, on this channel. So very controversial period where you could actually basically <laughs> um, uh, communicate in both directions, not just the car sending the information, but the information is being sent to the car. Um, so in um, uh, by, by the year 2005, the standard ECU tag uh, was developed and uh, we saw basically at, uh, um, in the beginning of the uh, of 2000s, kind of from 2001, um, the development of um, big data as a term. Um, so uh, from 2005, uh, the web to zero emerged and um, um, the data increased in volumes very, very rapidly between 2005 and 2014. And uh, uh, from 2014, we also are living in this period, which we can uh, call as a rise of the mobile machines. So where essentially you have a lot of data captured on the, on the track and um, Away from the uh, away from the Formula One circuits um, by various sensors, and uh, sensors uh, not only surround us uh, in uh, in the setting of Formula One, but also surround us in real life, right? In uh, um, within the city, uh, in transport, in various um, buildings. So um, all of this developed. Uh, 
opportunities for Formula One to kind of develop mature telemetry and currently big data, so-called big data telemetry or large data set telemetry. So um, between the year 2000 2009, uh, Formula One relied on internet to stream data. Uh, so telemetry, images, uh, all other things were transmitted live. Uh, and um, live analytics was developed. So currently, as you know, many teams are doing um, live analytics uh, during the race, and normally we have an opportunity to observe it uh, on TV when we're watching races. Um, and uh, in the current time period, we see the development of cloud computing, custom-made analytics tools, which allow to run uh, various live analysis, uh, on Formula One cars, and um, um, it was quite a, a special year this year, 2020, as you know, due to um, the coronavirus uh, pandemic, uh, we could not quite enjoy <laughs> Formula One sport as we normally do. Uh, but uh, essentially, um, you know, data uh, plays a significant role in this uh, dynamic uh, sport development. And uh, this is kind of a way to think about uh, the development of uh, um, data and analytics uh, in Formula One from driver as a sensor to telemetry to early telemetry, turbulence, mature telemetry and big data telemetry. Just to kind of wrap it up, I want to show you this uh, table. Uh, so in this table, you basically see all six stages uh, that we have just identified. Uh, driver as a sensor from 1950 to 1974. Uh, telemetry development from 1975 to 1988. Um, early telemetry from 1989 to 2001. Turbulence from 2002 to 2004. Mature telemetry 2005 to 2012. And big data telemetry 2013 and 2020. Well, big data is a little bit an outdated term, but uh, basically what I mean by big data is large data set telemetry. Um, which uh, is used um, uh, uh, in Formula One today. Um, yeah, so like I said, uh, the first time period when we had driver as a sensor um, uh, was characterized by drivers uh, feeding back the information about the car performance to teams um, after the race and during testing. Um, in 1975, McLaren basically developed uh, sensors for IndyCar and um, the sensors were capturing information during the race. Um, and um, various teams exper experimented with sensors uh, all the way until late 1980s. Uh, so by uh, 1989, uh, the teams basically used patch telemetry transmitting data from cars when they were close to the pits, but when they were far away, you kind of had this blackout zones where you couldn't quite capture any data. And in early 1990s, Formula One teams had high-rate um, life information, but it also had blind spots. Like I said, I mean, the blind spots in uh, 1989 were quite um, um, 
basically commonplace, but uh, in 1990s they were still commonplace. So um, whenever you had a track with dense trees or high buildings, like for example we have in Monza and Monaco, um, Uh, the information was incomplete, so you would have basically gaps in your data sets, so, and it was quite difficult to do consistent analytics, although it still um, was uh, possible to do analytics because, you know, you did have information, you just didn't have the entire coverage throughout the whole race. Um, So by 1998, Plextech uh, became the major supplier for telemetry systems in Formula One cars, although, like I said, different teams were working on different systems. Um, uh, Two-way telemetry was allowed uh, in uh, 2002. Uh, this basically meant that uh, you know teams could not only receive but also send information to cars remotely. It's a very, very controversial move, um, as you can see. Um, and um, um, by already by 2003, um, FIA banned the two-way telemetry, which I think was a very rational and good move uh, because, indeed, we want to see uh, the driver's skills, the engineering team skills play out during these competitions, and we do not want to just see races uh, <laughs> with cars that are completely remotely controlled or you know partially remotely controlled that would be a disaster um, so by 2005 um, the electronic control units uh, tag uh, 310b as uh, ECU um, by McLaren electronic systems and Microsoft was developed and um, The, uh, the ECU unit uh, for all Formula One, uh, one cars became standard by 2008. And then um, um, also McLaren Electronic Systems uh, um, provided so-called ATLAS, which is Advanced Telemetry-Linked Analysis System. Um, and... Um, Uh, this system became uh, uh, became a standard in the sport, so many many teams use uh, this uh, Atlas standard. Although, uh, you know, some teams, I mean, there is some freedom, so we will talk about the outliers, very notable outliers there. Uh, when we get to the year 2008 and later years um, in uh, the videos on this podcast, um, and... Um, Uh, we will discuss it uh, throughout um, 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 throughout the development uh, of the series. And um, in uh, 2013, um, if we look, you look at the table, obviously the volumes of the data became really large. Uh, currently, as you know, the Formula One uh, car Uh, contains a large number of hundreds of sensors uh, capturing a lot of data and each race takes a long time to record uh, in terms of uh, kind of going through the data and uh, doing analytics on it uh, is uh, <laughs> as you can imagine is uh, quite a complicated task although you know there is a high degree of automation there Um, and uh, McLaren Applied Technologies also developed Data Viewer that helps with that. And uh, there is an upgraded uh, standard ECU, uh, 
um, uh, which uh, the Formula One cars are currently using. And um, uh, essentially, um, this data-driven sport became even more interesting uh, because it's not only the competition of drivers, but also the competition of data scientists who are um, helping the drivers to make the most efficient and timely decisions uh, at high speeds. So um, in this video, we just looked at the overview of uh, the history of data science overlaid uh, with uh, the history of Formula One. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we will continue this series by starting with 1950, um, the year of uh, the first uh, Formula One uh, World Championship, um, which was the kind of the first official year, like I explained before. And uh, we will go all the way through to the current year, which may be... Um, uh, 2020 by the time we finish or could be even 2021 I'm not sure <laughs> uh, but essentially we're going to discuss uh, various aspects of the sport especially um, aspects that are related to data science and behavioral science we will look at driver's behavior we will look at car behavior we will look at the decisions of engineering teams and we will look at various aspects of how data, behavioral data, and uh, te uh, technological um, data, so data on uh, um, car performance, for example, interact uh, uh, during uh, races and how decisions are made on the circuit. Thank you so much for watching and uh, stay with us and join us for this series. I hope you will enjoy it. Thank you.